From our local high schools to the pros, the Dallas Morning News has got North Texas sports covered, and it's more than just the scores. From all the off-season moves to in-season adjustments and maybe even postseason glory, the DMN has got the inside scoop on your favorite teams, players, and coaches. You can follow every goal, save, bucket, and touchdown as the Dallas Morning News delivers real local sports journalism from the press box and locker room straight to your inbox. As soon as the podcast is over, head to dallasnews.com sports to see what Brad Townsend, Callie Kaplan, and the rest of the DMN gang has for you there. Hello and welcome to Maps Daily, where... Every time we talk, we're breaking down a question event, news or trend, having to do with the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Bobby Carell. I'm from Mavs Digital. Joining me today for this uh, little quick therapy sesh is my my good friend, my partner in crime, my partner in podcasting, my PIP, <laughs> Isaac Harris. Isaac, how are you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great. I had a great day. It's like one of those days where you're like, man, some good things happen, good things going uh, going good. But on a Maverick standpoint, we're coming off a, a three-game losing streak, heading up to Indianapolis to play a good Pacers team, a little shorthanded, losing Miles Turner a little bit. But uh, I think it's a really good Pacers team. But kind of as in the words of Rick Carlisle, we're in the middle of a murderous week. And uh, he, he coined that a, a murderous week the other day after the game, and that's just where we're at right now. Yeah, it's tough times, man. It's tough times. And so today we're just going to talk about all the stuff that's just gnawing at our craw. Is that that's the expression, right? <laughs> just getting under. <laughs> I our don't, skin. I've never even heard of that. Oh wow, really? Well, maybe, maybe I just coined a phrase. So I'll have to I'll have to look it up later. Uh, yeah, we're just going to talk about all the stuff that's bothering us, and uh, today is also a really a really significant moment in Mavs daily history because I I got a new mic stand. I I mean it is new, but it's also my first one. I've just been going handheld for so long, and so I feel very professional now. Uh, but I'm trying to figure out the you know the right angle and distance and height and everything. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'll, I'll know after we're done if if I've made a terrible mistake or not. But uh, Isaac, as you said. The Mavs are in their first three-game losing streak in nearly two years. It was March of 2019, I think, the last time they lost at least three games in a row. Of course, that season they did not make the playoffs. Last year, despite finishing seventh in the West and only a mere, what, I think 11 games over 500, they avoided a three-game losing streak all season. The only team in the NBA to do that. Even the mighty Lakers and Bucks both lost at least three straight at one point. And so... Wow. Kind of the, the the hallmark of this team for the last couple of years is no matter who's on the floor, no matter who's missing, no matter who the guys on the other side of the, the, the court are, you know, they're able to bounce back and kind of take their lumps and keep going. But unfortunately, and, you know, this is the, the world's best built-in excuse, but it's just really hard for them to win right now. And, and it's tough to, off the top, before we talk about really all the bad stuff, um, it's really tough to talk about like, well, they're missing so many guys without almost feeling like you're like insulting the players that they still do have. Like, I mm. love Wesawundu. I really like Josh Green. I think that he could become a really good player. Like Tyrell Terry has shown good minutes. And like, there's a lot of like, this is good development time. Unfortunately, it's coming at the beginning of the season and not at the end whenever, you know, the playoffs are already kind of in hand. So you know, these guys are getting a lot of experience in the system and all that stuff, which could pay off down the road. But in the meantime, you know, it is it's not leading to results in the win column. And so 
Uh, it's it's been really really tough for them. A lot of games, not not a lot of rest. Uh, a lot of guys missing, and it's just you know it's led to some to some really lousy results. So just overall, it's 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 dark and gloomy, kind of like it is outside right now. Well, it's kind of you know picture yourself you're you're driving down let's say 35 or 75 or the uh, George Bush tollway. Uh, I don't even know if it's turnpike, I guess turnpike. Yep. Um, let's just picture you're, you're driving somewhere in Dallas and you have a flat tire. You go and you change your flat tire. You call AAA, whoever it is. And you put on this spare tire that for a lot of people, my spare tire um, is not the same quality as my regular tires. It's just a, a spare tire until I can, I get another new tire. I feel like we're kind of in the stage of the spare tire, you know, phase of the team that, you know, for a couple of games, you can throw guys like, and this is not shots at these guys. You can throw guys like Wes Awandu or Josh Green or even James Johnson, who played like 28 minutes the other night. You can throw some of these guys out there for this extended amount of time for a, a few games. But now we're, you know, a week and a half, almost two weeks into these guys playing 20, 25, 30 minutes. And that's just a bigger role than what they we kind of signed them up for. And I mean, so it, it's kind of like, you know, riding that spare tire for like a month and you're still waiting to get that 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 brand new tire that fits with the rest of the vehicle. And I just feel like that's the stage that the Mavericks are in uh, while still being respectful to those guys. But, you know, like James Johnson, he's probably ideal, ideally 15 minutes, you know, a night, something like that. Where, you know, last night or two nights ago, he played 28, 29 minutes. And Wes Awandu starting every game. And like you said, it's a good kind of experience for them, for them to grow Josh Green. But it, we have to accept that's coming at the expense of, of wins. And that's just what is happening right now. Even though we have Luca and, and Porzingis, how many of, uh, okay, here's a question for you. How many of these guys that are playing right now extended minutes? When everyone is healthy and everyone's playing on the roster, how many of these guys are in the rotation? Well, that's a good question, but it's impossible to answer because we have not seen the Mavs play a game at full strength this season, even on opening night. At all. Not one out. game. You know, yeah. And so, I mean, the a real question is, like, if Kleba and Dwight Powell and Porzingis are all healthy and Willie Cauley-Stein and James Johnson and Boban are all healthy, how many of those guys get a single minute? You know, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's I, I don't know if James Johnson plays every night for them, you know, if, if both Porzingis and Kleber are healthy. So, I, I yeah, I have no idea. I mean, it's it's really tough. But, I you know, the <laughs> spare tire comparing players to rubbers is kind of weird. But I follow what you were saying there. But that that's a really good analogy for it, because last season, for example, I think the Mavs had a winning record without Porzingis and they might have even had a winning record without Luka. Um Luca last mm. year missed what I think five games or six games at one point, and then missed another five or six. And there were other times, sporadically, periodically throughout the season, where you know it'd be the second night of a back-to-back, -back and and neither of those guys would play. And the Mavs would just, you know, dump a bunch of, of bench players into the starting lineup, and they'd be able to win. But it's like if you're going to you know uh, Charlotte on the second night of a back-to-back, -back and Luca's a little gimpy and KP is out, well, you can put. Jalen Brunson into a spot start in the starting lineup. The other team is not going to be prepared for that. They're not going to have game plan for that. So you're going to kind of catch them off guard. But now that it's been, you know, green in a one do and starting for a very long time and Willie Colley Stein really took the the NBA by storm, frankly, in his first few starts. But 
now that the league is kind of caught up to all that and they're able to prepare scouting reports, there's a lot more film, a lot you know that you know what to expect. The element of surprise is gone. And so uh it's just it's really tough. It's also kind of similar to like uh in the NFL, like a backup quarterback comes in and is really great for one week and then going into the next game, his opponent is actually prepared for him and so it's a little tougher. So um, you know, I know that we, we say the NBA is a Wait. player's league all the time, but you can never underestimate the power of coaching in that regard. And so, like, for example, Toronto prepared a box one zone for Luka because, you know, they didn't have to necessarily worry as much about the perimeter shooter. So, like, you're going to see a lot of this stuff while these guys are out, and that's the biggest bummer of them all. And so it's kind of tough to really formulate any grand – and I've seen you say this too and heard you say it. It's just tough to, like, create, like, real opinions or to, to have strong opinions about this team because, like – just you don't know what they have. You just you don't know what they have yet. Yeah, that's a and that's what I was about to say while going. You talking about you know Toronto's box and one. Does Toronto play a box and one and play that same defense if we have everybody there? No chance. If we have a forty eight percent three point shooter in Maxi and we have Josh Richardson out there, and we have these guys a healthy harder. So it's not a. I think in in one sense, you know, fans can be listening to this podcast saying, okay, you're, you know, this is a cop-out. You just don't want to say, I'm like, it's not a cop-out. We're literally one of the only teams in the league that have missed, you know, key rotation pieces, not just like one or two. We're talking like six, you know, five to six, five of them, you know, for the past, what, 10 days at least. So, I mean, you look at, you know, I quote tweeted a tweet uh, yesterday, you know, they were talking about just like looking at the Mavericks from an outside view. And we've talked about it on this podcast too, about listening to some national pods and hearing some national guys talk about the Mavericks just to see a different perspective. And I've seen, you know, if you're not following the team right now, if you're not following who's in or out because of the health and safety protocols, then you're looking at the Mavericks stuff saying, well, what the heck's going on? You see a, a blowout win against, you know, the Clippers, you see this big Denver win, and then you see some of the losses too. But you got to look at who's in there and who's not. Porzingis has m- missed the first nine games of the season. You've seen Brunson. He missed four games. Richardson and Finney Smith, both starters, have missed five games and counting. Maxi and Dwight have missed, I think, four games and counting so far. You know, Burke, Luca, Tim Hardaway, all have missed one game each. Like, we have yet to see... I would say it would be a consensus. Or I'd say close. I guess you could debate, you know, um, Hardaway and Richardson, but... I feel like most of us would say that Porzingis, Luca, and Richardson is your you know top three you know players on the team. We haven't even seen those three guys play together in a game yet, <laughs> because you know Richardson's been out since KP's come back. So it's just you know I think a lot of people who don't know the Mavericks or don't know who's in or out are you know I saw Kendrick Perkins tweet and say oh, you know which I have him muted on Twitter. And but somebody sent it to me and sent <laughs> DM me this Perkins tweet and we love Steven Silas. I love Steven Silas and hats off to him for going through everything. And in th- there is no denying and, that their but, offense last year was incredible and and Silas was the architect. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, but but you can't look from the outside and it's like, "Oh, the Mavericks, look at <laughs> look at this team ever since Silas left." And I'm like, "Okay, well, let's let's wait until we get you know, our top six, seven, eight rotation guys in the same game. Give me a couple weeks. Give me, you know, four to eight games, ideally like 10 games. Give us that with a full team, full rotation before we start looking at this saying, all right, what's working, what's not, what's fixable, what's not. That's just where we're at right now. That's the reality. Yeah, dude, imagine like the, so the first Warriors team to win the championship, the 2014-15 Warriors. 
Imagine taking off of that team Draymond Green, Harrison Barnes, Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston, like Fessa Sazili, and Andrew Bogut. And do you think they even like finish above 500? Like you just you have to have no. you have to have available people to play, and I mean your best players as well. Like these are you know guys that are missing for the Mavs are like clearly their top whatever their top four of their top X players or five of their top X players, um, sometimes even more. Like for example, against Chicago, you're having to make a lot of r- weird adjustments on the fly. Like the, the Jalen Brunson thing, and 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 you know Isaac and I are not epidemiologists or doctors or scientists i got i think a c in biology when i was in high school and i know i only got a b in physics um (laughs) physics has nothing to do with covid by the way but i just wanted to mention that that i I did improve a little bit but you know brunson (laughs) did not test positive for covid he just he tested negative for 10 days in a row or whatever but he had to stay away from the team for a certain amount of time. And then he like got the okay to rejoin the team, essentially, but he couldn't play, which was really weird. So I think you know the Mavs might have expected or hoped that he'd be able to play against the Bulls, and then they find out, well, he, he can't. He's got to miss one more game for some random reason. And it just so happened that Tim Hardaway was also resting kind of a, a bum groin, which I really think affected his, his game against uh, – yeah, who did they, they just play? Who did they just play? Running these games are running Toronto. Toronto, zero for twelve. I mean, look, zero for twelve, make a shot. But at the same time, you saw him put the ball on the floor. He couldn't get off the ground, you know. But like, he has yeah. to play. They need people to to put their jerseys on. So uh, it's really tough. But anyway, like these rules, and and that's what kind of, um, you know, looking forward as Richardson and Finney Smith and Kleba and Powell, as all these guys are able to rejoin the team. How long are they going to have to wait until they can actually get back on the floor? Because for Brunson, it was not a conditioning issue. It was simply a league policy. And so it feels like all of their returns are going to be really rocky and frustrating. And Rick was clearly frustrated by it after the Bulls game. And, and you know, him being bothered by it gives us the green light to be okay to be bothered by it. So what, what do you think about all that? <laughs> no, yeah, that's the thing. I, I thought that was really telling, you know, when Rick – you know, showed his frustration on it. And like, they thought Brunson was going to be able to play. And he's like, he virtually tested negative for the past week and a half. And, you know, I I think that's the, that's the big thing, you know, from a fan media, whatever you're, whoever's listening to this perspective that everything's just, it's so up in the air. It fluctuates so much on like who's in, who's out. And even like the bigger conversation of, you know, you look at what's happening right now with the Mavericks who, you know, we're so shorthanded and we're playing these games and you don't want to say like, oh, we're, we're just losing these games because we're shorthanded. But a lot of it has to do with that. And then you look at a situation like Washington, who they've had their last five games postponed. And, you know, I guess they're going to make that up at some point later on the season, but they're not accumulating losses. So, you know, you know that they could play those games healthier later on too. That's just the dynamic. I I just think, you know, this season more than any season, we're going to see some weird stuff with standings and we're going to see some, you know, it's like you can look at Washington and say, all right, you know, they could win all five of those games whenever they're healthy and they could be higher up the standings, but you could look at them and be like, man, remember when they, you know, basically got shut down for two weeks because they, they overcame all of that stuff, which that would be incredible. But you look at Dallas and it's like, man, we had, we playing through all of it. So shorthanded and we're, you know, racking up the losses too, but we might be lower down the standings. And so it's just every situation for every team is, is so different. And 
you know, even for us understanding who's in, who's out, why, why some players can't play, why they can't, how long, I mean, we hear different time frames too of like when players can be back and they can't. Yeah. And I, I mean, I can't imagine being the players too, just waiting to get clearance and for them too. Yeah. I mean, no one knows, no one has any idea. And that's the thing. I mean, from a, a zillion foot point of view, like this season, <laughs> you, you know, I mean, we said it about the draft. It's kind of a redshirt year for every rookie. Yeah. Most of these guys had like a two or three month off season, you know, four month off season. If you played in the bubble, even if you made it all the way to, you know, you, or even if you got eliminated in the first round, like 22 teams or 21 teams or whatever, we're playing games in August, you know, and the Mavs are playing games into late August, maybe even early September. So it's like, how much of this season can you really, like, really honestly take seriously? And I, I'm not trying to, like, discredit the whole thing or say that it's meaningless or whatever. There's It's basketball. There's the Larry O'Brien trophy on the line. Like, it obviously is going to matter. And just like the Lakers title was legitimate, no asterisks or anything. But all of these teams. Really? What? No, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. I, I've kind of been on the camp that it, it might have a little asterisk. But oh, anyway, okay. We, we wow. You, so you don't think it was the toughest <laughs> title in NBA history to win? I I do not. No, oh, wow. No. Okay. Well, <laughs> not geez. one bit. I'm, I'm going to tell LeBron that you said that the next time that he and I hang out because we <laughs> hang out all the time. Um, But, like, and every team is going through these problems. Like you said, you know, the Wizards and, and like, it seemed the Suns have had a bunch of games postponed. Like, a bunch of teams have been postponed the, the pelicans have been postponed like one time zion was supposed to miss a game but it was just because he like it was a false positive or something like there's a bunch every single team has had some of these like man this sort of sucks kind of moments and some have been hit by it worse than others you know i feel like the mavs have probably been the unluckiest as it relates to the health and safety protocol because they have a lot of guys missing but not enough to get games postponed meanwhile the team that they're playing tom- uh, tonight i guess indiana has a bunch of guys out who are actually hurt. They've been like snake bit, probably the worst by injuries this season. Um, I mean, so every team is going through it, but but that's just kind of, I don't know. It just kind of goes back to like Rick always talks about the NBA season being like as the coach, you're like a pilot, and it's just your job to to land the plane safely at the end of the season. In the moment, like this is pretty turbulent stuff that the Mavs are going through. Like it will it will probably never be worse than this like all of these guys being out yeah you're asking a bunch of guys to step up and play 20 minutes more per game than they probably should be you're missing like for long stretches like your third fourth fifth and sixth leading scores and points and everything kp is just now getting back into shape i thought he looked really good by the way against toronto was, he was really really good on both yeah. ends um but you know the only way forward is to keep moving forward you know and it's just kind of one of those things where it's like man this season, <laughs> this season kind of sucks, but it's not going to stop. So you can either you can either pout about it and be mopey and say that this is pointless and we shouldn't even be playing at all, or you can be like, "F it, let's keep going." And you know that's gonna. This is kind of like the ultimate test for Dallas. I feel like a lot of other teams are going to be facing these same problems, you know, over the next month or two or whatever. Point, Hopefully yeah. not. Hopefully no one else gets COVID, but it it is an inevitability, yeah. unfortunately. Um, and so you're, you're faced with the challenge of, do you quit because it sucks or do you keep going and just say, you know, hard things are hard and you just keep moving along. So that's, I don't know. It's just sort of, I, I don't know. That's really scatterbrained thought. 
and, that, and that's the difference between the NBA and the NFL. You know, the NFL, you know, they have a game and then they have a week until their next game for the most part. And it's like, then they're ironing out stuff and, you know, they still had, you know, issues they had to work through and they're still working through, but the NBA, there's no stop it. I mean, like we said, like Rick said, this is a murderous week and, you know, looking, you know, that, you know, we have played Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, this entire week. I mean, that, that's, it's crazy to think about. And even looking at the aspect that this is the, you know, we, we've been joking that, you know, this is the road month next month, February is the home month uh, because of how many games, but look at how much the team is so close together on the road compared to, you know, if it was a home game, you know, for instance, those guys in Denver, you know, Richardson, Finney Smith, Brunson, you know, if that was a home game, those guys are leaving the basketball game that night and then going home to their own, you know, their own places to where if you're in, you know, a different city and this, all all I'm trying to say is this happened during the away month for the Mavericks, because, you know, we have team buses that are going here and there in hotels and you're traveling together, team playing. I mean, we all remember when Trey Burke did his Instagram live of the whole team playing cards together on the team playing stuff. It was like a cool team chemistry moment, but it's also like a kind of inside of like, yeah, I mean, these guys are together all the time. They're, I mean, they're friends, they're playing together. So that's another thing too, where I think being on the road kind of attributed to that a, a, a little bit. And, you know, for when we were texting before this about the good, the bad, the ugly so far in this season, you know, for me, it's it's consistency that this, you know, everything that's been going on, the team is lacking that consistency of playing together that we're, I mean, how many, you might know this off the top of your head, but how many starting lineup, you know, lineups have we seen over the first 13 games? How many guys have we seen in and out different, you know, rotation, different five man lineups. I mean, we could look up that and how many different five man lineups there've been out there. And so even when these guys do come back, kind of like what you're saying about Brunson, it's going to take him a little bit. Even though when Richardson, Finney, Smith, Maxie, Dwight, these guys come back, it's going to take some time to kind of iron out the wrinkles again and to see who's in the rotation, develop that chemistry and consistency on the court. And so, yeah, there, there's a lot of different layers to this. Yeah, I mean, the Mavs opening night is essentially like February 1st. That's when everyone will be back. Yeah. That's when, you know, hopefully everyone will be back in rhythm. And then you can really kind of start winning games. But unfortunately, that's going to be about 20 games into the year, and you only get 72 of them. So it is – I mean, they're, they're, they're spotting the they're spotting the Western Conference a few, you know, because they're just so good. They're like, oh, we'll, we'll let you have us for, for a couple weeks here. Um, the other thing, too, about all the road games, like they've played, what, maybe five home games, six home games, but they haven't played more than two in a row at home at any point this year. And so it's to the point where, like – you know, even though home court advantage in the NBA, I don't think really exists this year. Kind of like in the NFL, I think home teams in the NFL might have even had a losing record this year, um, because the, no fans and stuff. Home court advantage is not the same. But the Mavs are basically like their home games are almost road games because they go on the road for four and then come home for two in three days and then they go right back on the road again. And so it's almost like you're just living out of a suitcase constantly. And the, it was it was interesting hearing the guys on the broadcast talk about that with the Raptors last night you know Toronto's been playing their home games in Tampa which is not home for them and granted a lot of those guys don't actually live in Toronto during you know the off season or, or even during the season there's kind of these weird rules about how long they can stay in, in, in Toronto because of you know Im- immigration and everything but they're kind of living out of a suitcase all year and they've gotten off to a horrible start and so I it's just kind of I don't know it's just 
there's a whole lot of challenges that everyone is facing this year that are not ordinary in any way. And so it's just, it's really hard to take it. It's really hard to look at what's going on and not just throw my hands up in the air and just be like, well, what do you expect? You know, I, I don't know. And and yeah. I do want to talk at, uh, after, I, I want you to respond, but after that, I do want to talk about the things that they actually can change that are like under their control. Uh, but really the main idea of the season so far is just like, what is what could possibly be how could they be any better than six and seven given everything that they've gone through i know that that was the thing you know before that toronto game you look at it it's like all right we're six and six and i know fans and were frustrated about some of these losses that hornets loss and the bulls loss on sunday all that stuff and it's like all right well in the grand scheme of things considering everything that's happened to walk out of that 500 or to, you know, after the first 20 games, if they can be 10 and 10, or if they can be, you know, better than 500, somewhere around that to where, you know, you're like, oh man, if somebody told you all of this stuff would happen over the first 20 games of the season, would you honestly say, dang, are we, you know, seven and 14 (laughs) or seven and 13? Are we, whatever it is. it's like, all right, you know, not, not that. And we're, we're trudging along, but yeah. Okay. Do you want to do what's good? What, like what, you can pull away over these first like 13 games that you're like, Hey man, that that's been good. That's something we can be positive about. Or do you want to, well, let's just do what you think they can improve. Okay. What do you think um, they can improve on the most? Yeah. First, first real quick with the record, the year the Mavs won the title, they were two and seven whenever Dirk did not play. So like, it doesn't matter how good or bad you are. If your best players yeah. or if a lot of guys, or even if one guy is out, it's really tough to keep winning. Like that just, it is what it is. So the losses are going to happen, even if they're frustrating. Okay. As far as what, what could improve realistically? And I know the easy answer is just make shots. <laughs> but like, that's not, you know, the, the personnel that they're putting on the floor right now that, that they're able to play is not the kind of team that they want to be. Like, I think the Mavs, the Mavs plan as much as this kind of bothers people. And, and this whole thing, you know, a lot of the times whenever things are going bad, I can kind of, uh, I'm as guilty of it as anybody really sort of like be condescending when I'm talking to fans who are mad about like the state of things, you know, and just be like, just relax. Yeah. It's this is just a game. But like in this case, it really, this is just the reality. Like the reality of the situation is the Mavs want to be a team that shoots 40 to 50 threes per game. They just want to hoist the long ball, maximum space for Lucas so that he can get to the rim easily. But right now, all of their best three-point shooters are out, <laughs> you know, like almost every yeah. single one. And so the guys who are on the perimeter aren't really like trying to take threes. They want to get closer to the basket. Like even Trey Burke, like he's much better operating in the mid-range where he can kind of either step back, pull it out, drive the lane, whatever. Like that's just what he wants to do. Tim Hardaway, who's been hurt or out, whatever, Richardson, like Finney Smith, Maxi Kleba, three-point shooters. So all of a sudden the Mavs are taking now like 30 to 35 threes instead of 40 to 45, which means they're taking 10 more shots in the mid-range than they want to per game, which is not that good. And it means that everything is more cramped for Luka. And so like these are very like these are unsolvable issues. And so the thing that I think they can change more than anything is just like this is easier said than done. But like the Raptors last night were just putting their head down and just going to the basket like they were not running really an offense. They were just, whoever had the ball was just doing whatever they could to just get to the basket and just make something happen. Either your defender will bow out and you'll get a layup, you'll get fouled, 
Or maybe you'll have a really ugly miss, and then you just got to bust your butt back and get back on defense. Like you, winning ugly is a viable plan, you know, even even if you're shorthanded. And like James Johnson, to his credit, you know, he he I, he commits some silly turnovers, obviously, but you know, against the Raptors in that game, like he put the ball on the floor. Is just like, are you gonna stop me? And they didn't, and he got all the way to the rim and laid it in a few times, and it was awesome, you know. And and Luca does that all the time, but he can only do it so much because. Some teams defend him with all five players. And so other people have to just – you, you just got to find ways to score. And sometimes the best way to do it is to just look at your man and say, are you tough enough to stay in front of me right now? Like, I'm Josh Green. I'm 225 yeah. pounds. I have a 40-inch vertical or whatever. Like, are you going to stop me? And if they do, tip your cap. And if not, then maybe you'll get two points out of it. So I think that's – but that's like – I don't know. That's not a very sexy thing to – change just like just try to score more you know I, I don't know I don't know what what do you I that's offensively yeah. what, what do you think offensively can can kind of maybe be a little different make shots yeah no yeah. uh but no it, it's it, exactly what you're saying I mean even when they drive you know they're seventh in the league in free throw attempts a game uh but they're but they're 23rd percent in free throw percentage so you know, even when we drive and get to the line, they got to make them at that point and they got to get better at that as a team. But everything goes back to just them hitting the open shots. I mean, this this offense is created around Luca, um, you know, doing whatever he wants, but for with space. And, you know, you look the other night, Tim, you know, missed all of his shots. You look at Wesley Wandu, you know, old four from three, you know, Toronto dared the other guys to make shots. And they just didn't make shots the other day. And that, I mean, that's for the whole team so far. You look at last year. So I, I pulled up spot up shots last year for the Mavericks. They were fourth in the league, according to Synergy, on spot up shots. 24% of their offensive possessions was spot up shots. Fourth in the league at 40%. After the first 13 games this season, still the same percentage. 24% of the offense possessions are spot up shots. But they're 27th in the league at 34% on spot-up shots. That, I mean, that that's – if I could point at anything, that's where that – they're just not making the spot-up open shots right now. And a lot of that – I feel like we're just going to continue going. A lot of that has to do is because a lot of your best shooters are just not in the lineup. So that's just – I mean, that's the, that's the big thing for me. They're 25th in the league in three-point percentage. So, you know, they're just not hitting – the shots right now and there's just I don't know how much of a simpler way to to put that yeah and there is kind of like there's really no way to measure this statistically but there is kind of a mental strain especially on somebody like Hardaway and Porzingis you know because they're like oh I have an open shot like I need to make this we've missed seven shots in a row like this one has to go and whenever you're like thinking instead of playing then everything is clunky and it's just really hard to be efficient you know so they just need what they need more than anything is what they can't get right now which is just like a week vacation but what they need secondarily yeah. is just to go out and just blow the doors off some team and just everybody has like career nights and then you can start feeling good about yourself everyone can take a deep breath but unfortunately i don't know if that'll happen anytime soon because they play a lot of really good teams <laughs> over the course of the next few days they got three and four nights coming up and like the quote-unquote easiest one of those is the third game in four nights. So we'll see how that goes mm. uh, against Houston. Um, defensively. It'd be nice if they – if 
I was going to say it'd be nice if they could have – this wouldn't work out logistically, but if they could just have like a bye week like the NFL, it's yeah. like every team gets to use a bye, a bye week. It's like whatever week you want to choose for the season, you just get that whole week uh, postponed or off, and the Mavericks could have used that this week. God, that would be so I, nice. I do want to mention this real quick. Uh, real quick, offensively, last year when Luka was off the floor, they had a net rating of a plus four. They were still a positive when Luka was off the floor. This year so far, uh, they're having a minus five net rating. And, you know, I think a lot of that's Porzingis coming back. But they have to, you know, keep the ship afloat when Luka's not on the floor. And so far they've struggled with that. But going back again, the way you keep the ship afloat whenever your best players on the floor is – you have your second, third, fourth, you know, best players on the team are out on the floor sometimes. And ideally you might have that unit when Lucas setting down, you might have other guys like Josh Richardson or Maxi or, you know, whoever it is out there with KP. So yeah, that that's just a, another area of the offense. Yeah, so. I mean, you need players in order to play, you know, and uh, they're, yeah. they're missing a lot of players defensively. They were, they peaked at number two. They were the number two defense in the NBA mm-hmm. a few days ago, and I have not looked since the game last night. I would imagine they might be out of the top ten now because they had a couple against Chicago and Toronto, a couple not great showings. They might still be top ten, but they're definitely not as as good as they once were. Again, personnel-wise, you're missing three really, really, really good defenders in uh, Richardson, Finney-Smith, and, and Kleba. Um, and, you know, on Willie Cauley-Stein, for example – He's playing, what, 30 minutes in some of these games, you know, and, and before Porzingis came back, you know, I mean, their their big man rotation was thin as it was, and now you're taking out Kleba and Powell, and I know everybody hates Dwight Powell right now as he recovers from the worst injury in sports, but the reality is, like, you just need, again, you need bodies. Like, it just means that people have yeah. to play more minutes, you know? So uh, it's tough to maintain a defense whenever you're down so much. I don't really feel like their issue right now on defense is, like, um, System systemic. It's not like a system issue. Um, feels like the Bulls just made a lot of tough shots. Honestly, they outperformed their expected yeah. effective field goal percentage in that game by like eight percentage points, which is big. Turned basically like a ninety point game into like a hundred and twenty point game, or maybe not ninety, but like closer to a hundred than a hundred and twenty. The Raptors game that was you know not not the best. The Raptors had I think they were up fifty one to forty three. Um, in the third, or maybe maybe it was forty. Yeah, it was forty-one to thirty-three. Sorry, in the second quarter, and thirty of their first forty-one points had come in the paint, and many of those had come like right at the rim. And now, second night of a back-to-back, and all that stuff, yada yada. But some of that was just like you just you know stay in front of your men. And I I feel like whenever you're going through an offensive struggle, Rick has talked about this a lot, is that they they kind of have the tendency, and this is like human nature can't get a shot going you're frustrated in yourself you're thinking about the shot you just missed and then all of a sudden your man gets by you for a layup and that's just like it just snowballs you know um so some of it is just like you got to divorce your mind from the offensive end but it's also much tougher to defend whenever you're missing shots because the other team is getting out in transition there's cross matches and mismatches and you're tired and you're running to catch up and you know you're out of position and so these offense and defense are so interconnected and whenever one is really bad it's usually going to lead to the other being really bad too uh, and they, you know, th- this team's goal is to try and generate momentum from defense instead of last year, which is like, let's just be awesome on offense and, you know, we'll think about defense another time. But a lot of their best defenders are out. And so it's this, this like self eating, what do you call it? Like the snake that's like eating its tail kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's bad is, is what I'm saying. 
Well, and and consistency, not you know, to go back to that, that you know, these guys haven't been on the floor a ton, you know, together. You you know, so much of defense is talking and communication, and to know where these guys are at on the floor, your teammates are at together, and you know, you hear all the times like, oh, we feel like we're on a string, and it's like you know, this tug and pull, and these guys going here and switching and talking and all of this stuff. And once again, I mean, this is what, I mean, KP's been back, what, four games, I, I think. And, you know, so now we have this dynamic of KP and Willie and them talking. And, you know, I think that's an area they got to defend the, the paint better. They just have to, they, you know, against some of these smaller guards that are driving the lane and stuff, you know, with Toronto and stuff. But like, you know, just talking and, you know, young guys like Wes Awandu and Josh Green and, you know, you might see a mistake here and there. It's where a guy makes a gamble and it's like, then this player, you know, goes on the wrong player. It's the wrong rotation. And, but that's just, I don't really like blame them as much that they're just like kind of thrown into the starting lineup. And we have to, that's where once you get these guys back, you get a Josh Richardson, a Finney Smith, a Maxi, and you get the, you know, the, your top seven, eight guys back in the rotation, back playing every single night. And you get a couple weeks under their belt then you start seeing that consistent consistency defensively of them. Then they can be on a string and then they know where guys are going to be. They know, you know, when they can help off and switch and they're talking more and all that. So I think that's key. I do want to praise them too defensively. I, I thought, you know, just this whole season, you look at them, just how they're defending opponent three point percentage. I mean, you look at that first, you know, that first half against uh, Toronto, you know, I think Toronto was what two of 16 two of 15 somewhere through there. You know, I think they kind of even that back out in the, that third quarter and fourth quarter, but but still, uh, you know, just defending three point um, pointers of opponent opponents, they're second in the league in that, holding them to thirty one percent. So they're getting out. I mean, they're getting out and defending uh, the three point line, but you know, they're kind of sacrificing it a little bit at the rim too. And you know, and KP and and Willie's just got to be better at, at that and defending the rim and stuff. So I do want to praise them with that. That's one of my positives of the first you know thirteen games that defensively they've kind of backed that up as a team of hey they went into the training camp saying we want to be better defensively we want to be top 10 at least top half in the league and so far they're doing that despite missing all these guys for so many games yeah and really before last night they were the best if not one of the best but for most of the year they've been number one or number two in fewest shots in the restricted area allowed per game so basically Dallas is almost defending like the Bucks do where they're just like just pack the paint, force mid-range jump shots. If they make some swing pass for a three, then get out there and contest, try and run them off the line. But, like, our goal is to prevent layups and dunks. And they've been doing that. Now, Toronto, you know, broke the the code last night, and they were able to, to figure it out. Um, I guess they cracked the code. They wouldn't break the code. I, well, I guess a code breaker also breaks the code, too. Either way, they destroyed the code and were able to get in there and get a lot of layups, and you know the whole defense crumbled because then once you start overcompensating for that, then the threes are even more open, and then they start making threes, and then you just the the the, the house comes down. Um, so you know it was a little tough there, but yeah, I mean they've they've done a really good job protecting the rim even without Porzingis, or at least again limiting shots there. Once teams do get to the rim, they've hit a very high percentage against the Mavs, and that's something that you expect to to correct itself. Once Porzingis starts playing more minutes, contesting more shots, getting more blocks, Kleba is probably their second best rim protector, and he's out right now. Um, and then all of a sudden, Willie Colley Stein can. I assume that once everybody's back, I don't know if Colley Stein will continue starting at five. I don't know. I, maybe Kleba starts at four, or maybe they go Porzingis at the five with the four wings. I have no idea. But if Willie's coming off the bench and playing against backups, 
then all of a sudden he can be I, I feel like he'll be more productive more effective in everything either him or Powell whoever it's going to be I'm sure they'll take turns and Boban will get in there every now and then too but everyone is like slotted up one or two roles higher than they really kind of should be right now because of the personnel problems yeah. going on so uh yeah we'll see so yeah I think the defense is like the 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 system is good the rules are good uh they're performing pretty well it's just you know they had one really bad game and uh kind of you know left a bad taste in our mouths but yeah I mean I don't know man I I guess we can only preach patience for so long and I think the the crummy thing about it is because it's a condensed season let's say these guys all miss three or four more games I mean hopefully you can get some wins out of it but what if you don't then like how far how deep a hole can you dig yourself before it becomes really tough to make it out of it? You know, you want to, you don't even want to be the seven seed this year because that means you have to be in the play in and it means you have to play LA again. Like you'd like to be in the top six, but it's going to be tough to do that. If you know, if, if you're a lot of these games are slipping away early. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing. It's like, you don't know how, you don't know how you know deep the hole can be because you don't know what other teams, you know, what's going to happen to them. And you hope nothing, you know, happens to any of these other teams, but you just don't know. I mean, we, we just don't know what's going to happen. We don't, you could, there's been so many games postponed now that at some point in the season, we could see, you know, a team have a, you know, let's, let's look at the wizards, you know, having five games postponed, you know, they could be a few games behind in the standings and then play their five games that were postponed. And then bam, they just shoot up the stand. It's just going to be a, a weird thing with the standings and that, I, I have a question for you on that. I have a question for you on that. Really, sorry yeah. to interrupt. Are they going to play yeah. those five games like spread out across three weeks, or like are they going to play five games in six days? Like, how are they going to make those up? I don't know. I mean, I I feel like anything. Anytime you hear somebody talk about it, it's like, oh, that's what they built that into the you know the half or in that that middle point of the season. But I, I mean, you still have to have the other teams on board with it too, and it's like, when does that? I don't know. Yeah, because you can't like. Let's no say, clue. okay, so let's say they do it five games in ten days. So you're playing one game every other day. Wh- whoever their fifth opponent is, if it is during that stoppage, their fifth opponent is going to have like eight days off, and then just have to play a game again. Like that just that's really unfair that, to them. Yeah, you know, like they're going to be so rusty. I don't know. That's it's going to be really really tough. Like the Mavs Pelicans game will be easy because it's just one game. You know, just find a day that works for both yeah. teams. But, like, I don't know. It's going to be tough for Washington. But, yeah, anyway, sorry to interrupt. Keep going. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That, that I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I, not to go back to the NFL again, but you go back to those breaks. And, you know, you've seen, uh, for instance, like Pittsburgh, if you all follow, uh, you know, the, the NFL, Pittsburgh, their bye week that was built in end up being a week that they had to play a game that was postponed to where it's like, Everybody was like, all right, well, your break was your postponed, you know, week and your postponed game. And it's like, all right, well, technically they didn't even like have a break. So I'd, I'd wonder if somebody like Washington, this is technically their break now because their break period that everybody else is going to be getting like three weeks off or two weeks off, however long it is, they're going to be playing all these games. And it, it's just a weird thing for everybody. But going back to what I was saying a while ago, another positive, besides the defense, another positive I want to say, even after four games, that I think it's a really positive sign, just what we've seen from KP and the, not just like the play, but him being out there and playing as much as he is and playing on the second night of a back-to-back. I, you know, I, I had a question at that after the Chicago game, I'm like, Oh dang, we're already missing these guys. I wonder if he's actually going to play. Not only did he play, but he goes out and has, I thought he had a, a pretty good game against Toronto. He played 31 minutes after playing 33 minutes the night before uh, or the day before uh, in Dallas. And so I just, yeah, just, 
he's seeing, I, I mean, he's still adjusting. I think he has, for me, I think he's adjusting more defensively than he is offensively because he's such a good shooter. He's always going to shoot the ball, but you know, I just think that's a positive sign that, you know, he came back, he's playing, he played his first, you know, back to back and he's getting back in the groove. Yeah. He's looking good to mid range, looking good around the rim. Uh, in the Bulls game, he was 9 for 19 from the field. I think he was 0 for 7 on threes, but that means he was 9 for 12 on twos, which is really good because, you know, last year I think he was closer to like 50% or maybe even the 40s on twos because a lot of the mid-range stuff wasn't going. But he's shown really good touch in the post so far, so that's maybe a good sign. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It feels like uh, it feels like this specific moment in time, Isaac, as we, as we kind of wrap it up, pretty crummy. But two weeks from now, I mean, everything might be good, you know, so I, I, I don't know. You just got to kind of weather the storm and, and see what happens. Um, we have no idea what will happen next. We have no idea when Josh Richardson, who seems closest to playing, no idea when he'll be on the floor again. Could be in two days, could be in two weeks. I have no idea. This is very unprecedented. Um, we've spent 10 months, like, living in isolation. <laughs> like, we should be pretty ready for anything at this point. And so... Um, yeah, we'll just have to see how it goes. I know, and look, I know, like, I thought they would be much closer to a top four team. I didn't expect COVID to ravage half the rotation or anything, but, like, you know, this is kind of a, it's a bummer for sure. This is not the season that anybody wanted, but uh, <laughs> this is kind of the season that we all deserve. So I, I guess we just got to, we just got to, just got to keep, keep fighting because. The only other option is surrender. And Isaac, we never give up and never surrender, as Luka Doncic quoted, I think, <laughs> Tim Allen saying in Galaxy Quest. <laughs> never! Now, I will say, for, you know, if you're buying stock on a team, I, I know we obviously talk about the Mavs all the time, but if you're buying stock on a team, I'm buying stock on the Mavs. And, you know, because this is a, a low, this could be the lowest mo moment of the season. And, you know, you look at a six and seven record and you're like, all right, people on the outside looking in are like, dang, is this team really struggling? They're not as good. Maybe Luka MVP and all this stuff. Like what's going on? I would, I would buy stock in the Mavs right now because I, you know, slowly we're going to get these guys back slowly. KP's going to get more in the groove and uh, there's a lot to look forward to. And, you know, I think this is the first podcast that we've ever done and we've talked 45 minutes and haven't spent an extended time on Luka Doncic and, you know, during all of this, we've seen some crazy games from Luca. We, I mean, that second quarter against Chicago was, I mean, just an outer world experience of watching Luca go off. So, just set back. We have to, we have to push through. That's the only way we can right now. Enjoy it. Enjoy these Luca moments. Enjoy Luca's performances. Watch KP get back into his groove, and we got to wait on the other guys. So that's just that's where we're at. There's nothing more we can do right now. Yeah, we just got to keep playing, man. And who knows? Maybe tonight they beat Indiana by 25, and everyone's feeling great. Because Indiana's, like we said earlier, they're going through it, man. Miles Turner out. Um, Karis LeVert is out with a, a very you know, kind of scary situation. So hopefully you know, he'll be good. Um, and then they're also without TJ Warren, who is like he, – he is like on the Mount Rushmore of Mavs assassins. And so – um, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe they can get, maybe they can steal one on the road tonight and go to San Antonio and, you know, any, anything can happen when the Mavs play the Spurs. So, uh, yeah, we have no idea, but you just gotta, you just gotta keep looking forward. Don't ever look back because all you're going to do is just be old and filled with regret at the end of the day. Um, all right. Any, any, any final, uh, parting words? 
I was going to say, beware for the revenge game for Doug McDermott. Ooh. Do you think <laughs> that he has – I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you think he set a new career high for steals in a game yet, or do you think he's still stuck? I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> um, I'm going to say he has. You think he has? In, in steals. Yeah. Oh, my God. He and did it. He did it last season. He had two steals in a game last season. Let's go. What? I thought that that record still stood. That made me so sad. Like, I'm so sad now. I'm way more sad about this than I am about the Mavs record. (laughs) I'm like all been out of shape (laughs) about this. For those who don't know, Doug McDermott, who, look, I love that guy. He was amazing with the Mavs. And frankly, like, I I got pretty bummed whenever he left. But uh, he's played, what, like seven years in the NBA? And had never had more than one steal in a game <laughs> through his entire career until like last March. So uh, yeah, really an end of an era. Jeez, that bums me out. <laughs> uh, over under three and a half threes for McBuckets against the Mavs makes or attempts. Att- uh, makes. Uh, ooh, that's tough, man. Because he can get hot, as we know. Um, I mean, hopefully under. I don't know. That's the thing. Like yeah. with with all their guys out, like he might be playing more minutes. I mean, again, Indiana's in the same position as the Maps, where like they're gonna have a lot of guys trying to step up and play a ton of minutes. Like they still have Brogdon and they still have Sabonis, but a lot of their other big contributors are out. So I don't know what to expect. Yeah. I'll, Sabonis I'll take is the so under good. He deserves more credit. Huh? Okay, I'll take I'll take the over on McDermott. No, I was just gonna say Sabonis is so good, and I feel like he gets overlooked by some people yeah he's really good he's really good and uh he's probably gonna have a really good game because he seems to just go for like 30 and 15 anytime he plays dallas it's just it, it just is what it is that guy is wired to beat the mavs uh i'll say mcdermott okay because i feel bad saying that he'll have a bad game he's gonna go three for three on threes but he won't get to four and he won't miss one so he'll, it's still a good game but it's just not like a like a really good game you know Okay. I think he goes like four of nine from three. Four of nine. What about like four for 18? Can we get one of those? <laughs> that would be funny. All right, Isaac. Thanks for joining me, man. We'll see what happens. Everyone, keep your, keep your chin up. Keep your head up out there. Uh, it's, you know, it's tough times on the floor. It's even tougher times off it for a lot of people. So, uh, you know, stay positive and all that stuff. Whatever, you know, the only thing in life you can control is effort and all those other truisms. Um, he is Isaac. You can follow him on Twitter at Isaac L. Harris and listen to him every day on Locked on Mavs. I am Bobby. You can also read Isaac on Mavs.com. The Luke article that we talked about a couple days ago is up. Um, it wasn't at the time, so go ahead and read that now. Uh, if you haven't already, I'm Bobby. You can find me on Twitter at Bobby Corella. This is Mavs Daily. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed, rate, subscribe, or review on your favorite podcast platform. Shoutouts, as always, to the Dallas Morning News for being the best podcast sponsor in the biz. And we'll be back with you uh, next time on Mavs Daily.